0: Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro, and I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our topic really is a part two of leading others to follow the crucified Jesus, leading others to follow the crucified Jesus, and this is a part two of that uh, podcast. So let me begin with a story that comes out of Flint, Michigan. In 2014, this city of about 100,000 people, uh, a third of which were in poverty, uh, found itself bankrupt and was taken over by the state of Michigan. Uh, now, up to then, they've been purchasing their water supply from Detroit, a, a nearby city. But to save uh, five million dollars, they ended their agreement to get their water from Detroit and started pulling water from a local river nearby. Now, the water they were now pulling pulling from was less quality and cheaper. Uh, but the people of Flint were told, "Hey, no problem. It's going to be good water." But then people started getting sick. Uh, the hospital began to note lead levels in the children began to accelerate. Uh, people had hair loss, rashes. Uh, then some people actually got contracted some diseases, Legionnaire's disease. Uh, the question was, was that related to the, to, the, to the water, et cetera, et cetera. But it became very clear over time that the water uh, was bad. Uh, it smelled bad. It tasted bad. It looked bad. Yet people kept being told it was okay until it was got to such a point that the leaders had to acknowledge the problem. And it turned out as they brought this water in from a cheaper, uh, a cheaper supply, the water was not as good. And it affected the pipes, uh, the, all the pipes in the city. And because of the water not being good, lead from these pipes began to come out and affect the, uh, the water. And the pipes in the entire city were completely ruined. And it was such a tragedy, uh, it went on for you know, a few years, and it's still being repaired today. But the tragedy happened because of poor leadership. Uh, and a friend of mine actually works for the company that got the contract to fix the problem. And so we spent, you know, a few hours on the phone talking about it. He sent me a number of articles. But I said, I said how could this possibly have happened? And uh, because it was such a, a massive mistake, costly, that was supposed to cost, they were supposed to save $5 million dollars. The, now to the fix this problem is going to cost them between $500 million and a billion dollars, all to say $5 million. And it's going to take eight to 10 years to fix. Uh, and some state officials are, have been indicted. Some are going to jail. And I, I said, what happened? And he said, well, the leadership uh, did not ask questions about what they were doing. They just did it to save money quickly. Uh, they weren't prudent. They weren't thoughtful. He just called it incredible incompetence. Uh, and they went the easy route. Uh, They could so easily have prevented the pipes from being ruined. There were even some other, you know, very cheap chemicals used by cities all over the country uh, to help, you know, the water supply, which are completely safe, which are very cheap. They didn't bother to even do that. They just didn't even ask questions. And um, and, and it's a great image. It's a great story because uh, it, it illustrates our discipleship crisis to me, and that there is no quick fix. The pipes are are not in a good place. Uh, We have some people in our churches that have been drinking water uh, that is compromised. And now as a result, have a discipleship that I'm going to call a worldly discipleship. We could call it a sick discipleship as well. And so what we're talking about here in this podcast is worldly discipleship, versus Jesus discipleship. We could actually say clean versus dirty water. And so, as I mentioned uh, in last week's podcast, I've been studying the Gospel of Matthew and the, and the issue of discipleship for the last, now, I guess, 19, 18 to 19 months, verse by verse. I'm almost finished. Uh, I'm still in it, but been taking very careful notes on what Jesus teaches about what it means to be a disciple. And so, I. I ended up making a list of all the qualities of Jesus' discipleship over and against the world's discipleship. And I actually, I I ended up coming down to just four. I mean, I started with about 17, 18, came down to 10, ended up at 8. Now I ended up with, I I brought it down to four core issues that I believe are applied to every culture all over the world. And actually that transcend time as well. Uh, They are profound issues, there are spiritual warfare issues, and actually behind the world's discipleship are demonic powers uh, to keep us in bondage. And, and, and so, uh, in fact, let me give one more image here, which I, I think also illustrates what we're trying to do here in, in discipleship or in our leadership. What's happened in the church today is, if you can think of the bad pipes of Flint, Michigan, think of ice in the Arctic, uh, the North Pole, which is very deep. It takes quite a ship, an icebreaker to get through that ice. No small regular ship in the waters is going to get through ice. But there are a few icebreaker ships that are specially made, some powered by you know nuclear energy actually, that can cut through the ice. What we're talking about here uh, is a discipleship and a leadership that is so powerful, that it breaks through the ice. It's slow, but it, as you begin to get this in your own life and for those around you, it it actually opens up a whole new way of life. It has so many implications that others can follow behind you. And so we call we call that today emotionally healthy discipleship. That's kind of the rubric which it's under. But today, as we as I bring to you, uh, Jesus discipleship. There's four categories. Okay, there's uh, be popular. Uh, The world's discipleship says be popular. Jesus says reject popularity. The world says be great. The world's discipleship says be great. Jesus says reject greatnessism. Uh, I know it's not a word, but regret greatnessism. Uh, The world says be successful. Jesus says reject the world's success, successism, just reject it. And then fourthly, the world says avoid suffering and failure. Jesus says embrace suffering and failure. Uh, and failure. It's one of the great challenges uh, of being a, a Christ follower as well. Now, again, the passage I've been I'm using for this uh comes out of Peter after he's been told with the twelve disciples in Matthew 16 that Jesus is going to suffer and die and be crucified and then rise from the dead. Peter is outraged uh and he basically starts rebuking Jesus. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the, the, the concerns of human beings, not the concerns of God. And then Jesus goes off on a discipleship. If anyone will come after me, let him take up his cross, you know, and follow me. Lose your life to save it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? And he gives this classic in, in a few verses summary of discipleship. And uh, but Peter wants to be popular. He wants to be great. He wants to be successful by the world standards. And Jesus is calling him to reject all that. But here also he's saying, uh, Peter, embrace suffering. Uh, and failure, because this is my route to success, to to real uh, success, in the sense to, to real resurrection. It is the only path I use for resurrection. So, think about it with me for a moment. The worst moment in human history was when uh, the human race, the greatest government of that time, the Roman Empire, and the greatest religion of that time, you know, Judaism, uh, rejected the human race. We rejected God's son. Uh, It was the worst moment in history. And actually, then it becomes the greatest moment in human history. Christianity at its core is about resurrection that comes out of death. That suffering power is the way that God's work. It's not just power. It's suffering power is the way he works. Look at Peter. I mean, here's Peter. He's following Jesus. He's looking for a comfortable life. Failure for him is the worst thing that could ever happen, just like it is for us. But it's going to take the failure and the rejection and the suffering for Peter to actually get broken. You know, it's, it's, it's God's means to break Peter uh, of his self-will. Uh, you know, what's it going to take to change Peter? Uh, it's going to take suffering. It's going to take uh, failure. It's not that God loves you more if you suffer and fail by any means. That, that's an illusion. I used to believe something so foolish as that. And, and, and I'm not saying we, we look for because there is such a thing as, you know, stupid suffering because of our, you know, we—, we Uh, we commit sins, we we bring some on ourselves, uh, but there's suffering that comes to us and failure that comes to us. Uh, But God takes that, what are often the worst moments of our lives, and these are places of new beginnings. These dark nights, the walls, the valleys, these are places of revelation. These are places of transformation. When we think we're on a detour, uh, so often we are not on a detour. We're actually right on track. Uh, So again, The world's discipleship is avoid suffering and avoid failure. Uh, Jesus' discipleship is embrace suffering and embrace failure. So it applies not just to Peter. Think of Paul. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he gets a thorn in the flesh. He begs God three times to take it away. God says, no, no, no. Uh, My power is made perfect in weakness. But God's got to break Paul as well uh, of his self-will. I mean, Could you imagine Paul, just like Peter, not being broken? He'd be a dangerous and gifted apostle. Uh, I think of Moses as well. I mean, Moses, 40 years in the wilderness uh, after uh, such a failure in uh, Exodus chapter 2 and at age 40 till age 80, uh, I mean, his life looks like a failure. Uh, And boy, a lot of suffering there in Midian. But it's out of that place God actually resurrects him and uses him in a powerful way. I think of Abraham as well, infertility for 25 years. I mean, just looking like a failure, being a failure by the world standards, definitely not, you know, a success by the world standards he is childless which in that culture was a disaster but he embraces his suffering and failure he remains faithful and as you know the rest of the story but we serve a, a triumphant resurrected jesus we gotta remember that but it is first the cross and then the resurrection i think it's very important that we say to our people who are in the pits of despair and wondering where god is i believe in the resurrection the resurrection is true. We, the resurrection always has the last word. At the same time, we do not ever avoid the issue of the cross. And Let me just read you one of my favorite stories. Um, it, it comes from a, a wise man living on one of China's frontiers, uh, vast frontiers. And the story goes like this. One day, for no apparent reason, a young man's horse ran away and was taken by nomads across the border. And everyone tried to offer consolation for the man's bad fortune. but his fa- But the father, a wise man, said, What makes you so sure this is not a blessing? Months later, his horse returned, bringing with her a magnificent stallion. This time, everyone was full of congratulations for the good fortune for the son. But the father said, what makes you so sure this isn't a disaster? The household was made rich by this fine stallion, this new horse. The son loved to ride the horse. But one day, the son fell off the horse and broke his hip. And everyone came and offered all consolation, you know, all for their bad luck. And the father said, what makes you so sure this is not a blessing? that my son actually broke his leg. And a year later, there was an invasion from the outside and every able-bodied man was required to take up his bow and go into battle. The Chinese families living on the border lost nine of every 10 men who went to fight. Only because the son was lame did the father and son survive to take care of each other. Often what appears to be a success or a blessing is actually a terrible thing. And what appears to be a terrible thing or event can actually turn out To be a rich blessing. That's why Jesus says, trust me in this. You know, uh, the world's discipleship may avoid suffering and failure, but I say to you in following me, you know, embrace suffering and failure. And so uh, Jesus' invitation to you and Jesus' invitation to me is be popular with me, you know, be successful with me and be great with me. And the, the key text on this is out of Matthew twenty-five, the parable to talents, when Jesus says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember the servants were given talents, and we are to have one overriding goal in life, says Jesus, and that is at the end of our lives, that we would hear the word wonderful, or that's a great translation for well done, at the end of our life, at final judgment. Listen, we all have many little goals and sub-goals, and I'm a big goal-setter. It's really good. I'm not talking about being a perfectionist. Some of you are perfectionists, and it's never enough, uh, and that's not what Jesus says. Well done, perfectionists who got it all right. Uh, we do the best we can, obviously. we, we To be human is to make mistakes. Uh, we ask forgiveness for sins. We but, uh, we're human. We're not God. But faithfulness is I, I stay with it. You know, I, I, I fall, I get up. You know, I, I I find myself off track. I get back on track. But faithfulness, I, I stay with Jesus. I, I persevere. I stick with him. I, 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 I Jesus. And the goal of a disciple's life is the Father's approval at the last judgment. Well done. You know, wonderful. You and I have been created to be goal-oriented and to be praise oriented. In other words, we we do want to hear great, you know, well done. We want to be popular. The human heart craves it. We were made to be noticed. You were made to be noticed. But the notice you're longing for beneath all human notice is to be noticed by God. And at the final judgment is going to be a great honors banquet. You know, we you know, we we read about Nobel prizes and being offered and tr- and Oscars and Tony awards and you know, employee of the year and top salesperson, the richest person in the world and who's the most honored person in the family and, you know, Olympic gold medals and all those trophies. And the Lord says, these are what you really want above all else is the trophy of trophies, is the honor of honor, which is the Lord saying at the end of your life, well done, you know, you know, good and faithful servant. What's so interesting is, remember Jesus says, no one is to be called, called good, but God alone. But in this text, we're called good. I mean, a human being at the end of their life called good. I mean, who's good but God alone? Only God. But but this issue of staying with Jesus and rejecting the world's definition of success and popularity and greatness, and the world's definition of comfort, and and choosing Jesus discipleship of. You know, we reject popularity, we reject greatness in the world, we reject success in the world, and we embrace the suffering and failure that comes our way, that God might shape us, that his kingdom might go forth. Jesus says, and we, and we do his will. We listen for his voice We, on a daily basis. We abide in him, and, and, and we're free from everybody's opinions and expectations for our life, and we just want to do his will, regardless of how it looks to people. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, Come and share my happiness. Because uh, we swim in an ocean, of a culture to be, again, popular, to be successful, to be great. And behind that, are demonic powers seeking to cut you off from Jesus. And uh, Jesus invites us to real power. You know, think of this. Real power is the rejection of earthly power. You know, real popularity is the rejection of earthly popularity. You know, real greatness is the rejection of world's greatness. And real success is the rejection of world's success. Uh, and Jesus invites us to, to get behind him and follow him. Uh, and it's difficult to hear for you, it's difficult to hear for me, that when Jesus says in places like Luke 16, 15, what is highly valued among human beings is detestable in God's sight. What's highly valued among human beings, think about that for a minute, with the world values we see in, on, in magazines and, and TV and songs and the web, what's highly valued among human beings, says Jesus, is detestable in God's sight. So I choose daily to let Jesus redefine reality for me. That's why it's so important we're in Scripture ourselves. If we're going to lead others to follow the crucified Jesus, we've got to follow the crucified Jesus. In other words, we let Jesus redefine reality. I'm in Scripture. I'm in prayer. Very simple, isn't it? I remain like a child. I deny myself, uh, take up my cross, and and follow him. I lose my life. Uh, And for Peter, James, and John, it was hard to hear. It starts with us as leaders. It always has. Now, if you're saying, like, I I, I say to myself often, I, I can't do this. It's impossible. The pressure is way too great. Uh, now, discipleship is daily. It's every day. Uh, but the, the the key verse here is found in Matthew 19, 26, where Jesus says this. After, after the, the disciples, the rich young ruler's walked away, disciples are freaking out, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, the rich young ruler, he didn't make it. And they say, Jesus, we've left, you know, you know, who then can be saved? And we've left everything to follow you. And and Jesus says, with human beings, this is utterly impossible. But with God, absolutely everything is possible. In other words, to become a Christian uh, requires a miracle from above. It's, 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 It's an illusion to think that anybody can have a relationship with God without a miracle from above. With human beings, this is utterly impossible. With God, everything is possible. So to get on the road with Jesus, to get started, requires a new birth, a transforming miracle from heaven above. Jesus is saying it's not only conversion uh, that's a miracle, to stay on the road with Jesus to, as a disciple also requires a transforming miracle. To be a disciple and to do Jesus' discipleship of this crucified Jesus, it's so opposite the world, also requires a miracle. With human beings, this is impossible, but with God, absolutely everything is possible. So to me to be a Christian today, to me to be a leader for Jesus today, oh my goodness, it's utterly impossible. But with God, it's even possible for me to follow Jesus today. In other words, I I can't rely on my my resources. I cannot rely on my willpower. I cannot rely on my strength. Uh, you know, Jesus came crucified, ridiculous to Greeks, offensive to Jews, but to us who believe, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so we we want to we want to draw on the Holy Spirit, draw on the power of Jesus, connect with Him, and then we we follow one day at a time, one decision at a time. You, we've got, we have got. want to live in community. And then we call people around us to freedom, to, to follow the crucified Jesus. And when we preach this Jesus, the doors to life swing open. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to live inside human beings. And that's the great glory, beauty, and power of the gospel. Can you just imagine with me um, a church where... People are not just coming to churches as consumers and attenders, but are actually coming to get equipped to learn to be a disciple and follow Jesus. And they actually become mature disciples. That's the norm in our churches; that not the exception. Can you imagine thousands of churches with folks who are mothers and fathers of the faith, when, when we we don't measure our success by numbers alone and budgets, and but how many disciples are actually making disciples? And can you imagine people being so connected to Jesus that, as it says in Acts two seventeen, they're getting dreams and visions of, and creatively engaging the world for their unique purpose for their lives, or and folks being immersed in Scripture so that you know not not buying into the values of the celebrity culture or entertainment culture, but humans do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can you imagine singles and young people having their own deep relationship with Jesus and a radical counterculture and living out the values of Scripture and married couples being signs and wonders for Christ in the world and leadership with healthy teams and healthy cultures who are seeking the will of God to discern his will without ego? You know, walking with integrity, where the gap between what we say on the outside and who we are on the inside is 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 not big; it's small. That people in our churches are are, are living honestly and speaking clearly and respectfully, and uh, you know, negotiating differences cleanly and non-defensively, and uh, being approachable and forgiving. And imagine our churches, just folks in our churches, just being so free that they reject worldly discipleship the world's popularity and the world's greatness, the world's success, the world's comfort, and and just being seeking to be faithful and true to Jesus and wherever he might leave, like Abraham on a journey, uh following him into the into the unknown. I mean, and just living for Jesus to hear at the end of their lives, well done, wonderful, good and faithful servant, and being that free. I mean, friends, after the resur- after after death Always comes resurrection. That is the great power, the great beauty, the great message of the gospel. He's alive. So let me invite you to not just lead others to follow the crucified Jesus, but today you would consider what does it mean for me to trust in Jesus and reject the world's definition of popularity and greatness and success. And what might be some failure and suffering that God's allowed in my life uh, today? And maybe you've actually made some decisions that's contributed to that. But if you'll offer that even to Jesus, he'll weave it into something good. You won't be on plan B. You'll be on plan A for your life. And how might the Lord be seeking to reshape you like he did Peter uh, in Matthew 16, to to shape him and break him and make him something beautiful and wonderful that will be a blessing? What's so amazing about Peter is... uh, after his massive denial of Jesus uh, at the crucifixion, but it's only you know a couple of months later that Jesus gives him the privilege of preaching after Pentecost uh, to the thousands, and he becomes a spokesperson. Still, uh, that in Jesus there is great forgiveness. I mean, I, I I just live in that the the forgiveness and the beauty of Jesus. So again, let me invite you to dig more deeply into this and in what we call emotionally healthy discipleship. Our course. Uh, pick up that kit on our website, get into one of our trainings. Every month I do a live stream training. Uh, Our next one is May 31st. Each month you can look on our website and get connected to that. But go to emotionallyhealthy.org, get on our mailing list, get connected to some of the larger resources that are available, and uh, join us on this journey of bringing a discipleship that deeply changes lives to the world and bringing people to Jesus. The crucified Jesus, the living Jesus, who's alive today, changing lives by his power. And uh, you've got thoughts and comments, please bring them to me at Facebook and Twitter. I'd be glad to respond to that. Some of you have sent in topics that I've loved, and I've got a long list of topics for future podcasts, and I, and I love that. So God bless you. It's been great to be with you, and I look forward to being with you again. God bless you. Have a great day.